0: We are back with another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth, and maybe Bernie the dog will make an appearance. Jeremy, what do you think? Will Bernie, will we hear Bernie throughout this? Pretty good
1: chance Bernie's going to chime in with his views on the Astros, probably.
0: (sighs) Uh, The bigger story right now in baseball is the fight for social justice, racial inequality, the Mets, one of the teams involved where they basically walked off the field and left the Black Lives Matter t-shirt at home plate. But earlier in the day, some, I guess it was a Zoom call that somebody was rolling on and hearing Brody, the GM, yeah. <laughs> talk about a plan by Rob Manfred, and then Brody now has to apologize. Jeremy, where do we see this going? You know, nowhere good, Jason,
1: nowhere good. I, first of all, that's the first time I, I can remember somebody being publicly critical of the commissioner like this. It just doesn't yeah,
0: happen. He wasn't publicly, he wasn't publicly critical. The only reason he was publicly critical is because he was caught on, I assume, Zoom.
1: Okay, so Hot mic goes public, but he said, Jason, he said, when it comes to leadership, and I'm paraphrasing leadership, Rob just doesn't get it. Um, that's not commonly uttered. That gets to the public, right? In any sport, I, I can say this: um, this country right now is going through a very interesting time in terms of social justice. I have stayed extremely quiet on this, outside of uh, a, a post I made one time when people were doing the black banner behind there on social media, and I just used my face, and, and that's it, because I am, you know, obviously a, a darker skin person, and I have you know black heritage, I have white heritage, I'm, I'm mixed ethnicity and I was raised to be a human being, but understand that in this country I can be seen a certain way. And that's, that's that. Um, I'll I'll say this about social justice. Um, This is the first time in my life I can remember an entire planet coming together at one time to say any kind of discrimination isn't okay. I can't remember that happening at any point, even people who are saying, well, it's not really that way or it's not really that way. Have to acknowledge some of the things that we're seeing um, people are tired with what they're saying is police brutality and I'm, I'm not speaking for anybody when I say that that's pretty public and athletes are using their platform and baseball is no different um, they're tired of it. they want change they, they see somebody get shot seven times in the back and and that's a problem it just, it just is a problem. Um, there's other ways to handle it. Now, look, I have nothing but respect for our police officers. I, I'm thankful for them. I'm not a police officer. I don't know what they go through. My grandfather um, was special ops in, in the Air Force in the 50s, and, you know, the things that he went through to defend our country, uh, he won't even talk about now, you know? So, so there's, there, there's obviously um, a respect that has to be paid towards people that are, that are tasked with keeping peace in our cities and our country and around our globe. Um, That said, I can't see any reason for somebody to be shot seven times in the back. And I don't know the whole story. I I can't see it. So when the players are going to take this type of stand, we owe it to the players to allow them to have their voice. Um, It comes off as that the commissioner is not overly happy or supportive of how the players are choosing to exercise that voice. It seems that Brody is trying to explain – in some way to whoever he's talking to, the commissioner just doesn't get it, that this is what the players need to do, need to allow them to have this voice. Um, Brody has a unique perspective, and a player agent. So he understands what it means to deal with players and what on a daily basis and their thoughts. Rob has not done that. He just has to. he's always represented ownership, he's always represented the office. Um, it's, it's a dicey situation to be sure. Uh, it's not one that I think anybody is 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 happy is happening. I don't think Brody wishes it's that, it's that way. I'm certain the commissioners does not wish it's that way. Um, and we're not done with it. We're not done with it. It's going to continue. There's going to be some kind of a uh, uh, an apology maybe from Brody Van Wagen. You know, I don't know that he has to apologize. I don't know that he has to apologize. Do I think there might be some – I don't know that he should. I think – does he have some clarity maybe to make? Okay. Does he apologize for saying it? No, you're not sorry for saying it. You're you're sorry that it went out. You're sorry that it got public. That's okay. Hey, I'm sorry some internal comments I made got public. Not, I'm sorry I said it. Are you? Are you really? Because I don't think you. I don't think you say something like that casually. So, um, commissioner and the Mets will have their conversation. I'm sure this is going to get around the league, and we'll find out where this goes.
0: That this was the commissioner's idea. In actuality. This was Jeff Wilpon's suggestion. My frustration with the commissioner was wrong and unfounded. I apologize to the commissioner for my disrespectful comments and poor judgment in inaccurately describing the contents of his private conversation with Jeff Wilpon. Now that's done. Okay. All right, let's move on now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on now to the Astros. And one hot topic is the surging play of Kyle Tucker in a team within a team that has a lot of injuries and issues. Most of those issues being injuries. Uh He has um, picked it up a little bit of late. Sure. In fact, uh, the blog Climbing Tales Hill laid out an argument on why basically Kyle Tucker may become the player that everyone thought he would become noting that he is hitting better on the road. He's a better hitter 02 and 01 than he is in 1 0 and 2 0 counts, and that um, his plate discipline has increased dramatically, and his walk probability has increased as well. Um, I don't think a week, I mean, any player in Major League Baseball can have a good week or week and a half. Yeah. I think the jury's still out, but that's, but that's me. You know, this season
1: is 60 games,
0: okay? It's a snapshot
1: of what a normal year is going to be. And uh, a week, a month, two months, it's still 60 games. People can get hot all the time. Um, major players are defined by not only what they do when they arrive, but what they do after they have some of bats under the belt, and what they do after those are bat's vest, who they ultimately become. Um, Kyle Tucker has an answer to those questions for me. He's a big leaguer on athletic ability. He's a big leaguer on tools. Um, no one say he didn't belong in the big leagues. The question's going to be: Is he worthy of the fifth pick in the draft? Is he somebody that's going to live into the impact that the Astros saw when they selected him? Um, players change. Players change. You have the ability to evolve. Uh, he has shown flashes throughout his minor league career, being able to hit right. So something's going to show up at some point. Um, I think you got to give it the rest of the year, let him play, and give it next year. And when you give it 21, we'll have a feel, a feel of who, who this guy really is. Um, he arrived in, in 19, correct? He got here in 19. He's actually on the, on the postseason roster last year, in or 18 rather, postseason roster in 19, and he's in. He's here in 20. Let's see what happens in 21 when all those at bats have kind of come together, and he's actually played every day for a little while, and then we'll know. And, and until then, um, you know, he's he's got some questions to still answer and some things he has to do to perform. But that's no different than any other big leaguer. It's just too early to make that decision.
0: One thing that I saw that um, really kind of ate at me was this news that the Yankees are furloughing a bunch of scouts. And obviously you're also seeing that scouts teams are not having scouts at events and games and things like that. Whereas um, it's, it's just a really, I just have so much respect for that profession and to see what's happening to these guys. Is this just the snowball continuing to roll from what the Astros did a couple of years ago, or is there something deeper going on here?
1: You know, outside of players, um, one of your biggest expenses is scouting and player development staff. It just is. The the budgets on the road, the salaries – the flights. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's an enormous undertaking. Um, You don't, I don't know that people quite understand how much money that really is um, until you have to pay for it. And, you know, I'm in a position now where I have to pay for it. So I understand that that is uh, very expensive. It doesn't mean that there's no value in it. It doesn't mean it's not necessary. It's just an expense. Okay. If you're looking at only the bottom line, And you're listening to people who are in your employ and in positions, key positions in your organization that only care about that bottom line. And the first thing you're gonna look at is how to eliminate those expenses. Okay? Now, 2020 is an interesting year. Major League Baseball, with the current situation that we have with COVID, has an opportunity to accomplish a lot of things on their agenda list in one shot because the money is just different. You don't have fans in the seats. You know, people buying concessions, you know, people buying tickets, you know, people buying merchandise, really. People are just watching TV at home and you know, watching the games that way. So, you know, amateur scouts have been out to run around because they got to be there. Amateur scouts got to go do that. They have to do it. Pro scouting, um, you have ballparks, you have alternate sites, which is really what that article was about in the athletic that we're, that we're talking about. It was an alternate sites. It wasn't necessarily about the, the stadiums. Um, and so people are looking at ways to cut – budget that's what it comes down to now with expiring contracts you have a lot of scouting departments that have gotten pretty big this is going to be unpopular for some people in my inner circle but they know i feel this way so i'm going to say it sometimes there's too many people too many too many cooks in the kitchen and sometimes you have too many too many people saying the same thing again and again and again so when you're making these decisions you look at uh you know expenses is last believe it or not but you look at budget you look at quality of performance, you look at uh, track record, you look at um, you know position, is it necessary? Do you have two or three of these people? How does it apply to what your vision of your organization is as you evolve? And so I think what's really happening is it's a mix of things. I think teams are looking at their budgets, okay, these guys can go, these guys can go, these guys are paid X amount of dollars and you know they're at this point in their life and we're going this direction. Doesn't make it right to slash big budgets, doesn't make it right to cut people Um, In a couple of markets like they have, you know, Seattle Mariners, my former club, um, they fire 13 or 14 guys, scouts or something like that. Um, That's, that's, that's massive. That's massive in one shot. The Yankees, what, 60, was it 60 player development personnel? You know,
0: that's Yankees furloughed around 60 player development employees and the Cubs, um, the Cubs reduced their scouting and player development staff as well.
1: Yeah. So when I see teams like the Yankees and the Cubs and the angels who have a ton of money, they're just, they're just, really wealthy clubs. The expense budget goes out the window. It, to me, it's more of a direction. It's an organizational direction. Um, and, and how they're going to, how they're choosing to evolve, why they're doing that. I don't know. There are rumors out there that I've heard that there is an all out war on scouts. There just is all out war on scouts. Um, you know, Major League Baseball is accomplishing this goal with the minor leagues are going to cut back by X number of teams and the short season affiliates are going to go away. Well, those player development jobs got to go away, too. There's just nowhere to put them, right? So those are going to go automatically. In a normal year, you see two or three scouts let go and turn over. Um, the Brewers let go, I think, of three as well, right? There's no plans to replace them as of right now. They may absorb it internally. They may bring people from the pro side. They may go back to one department, which was around, you know, 25 years ago, Um so I, I think that what we've gotten is we've gotten a little bit um, staff heavy in some situations, and what clubs are going to look to do, in my opinion, not some of the tradi- some of the clubs that have had this attack, the Lunau attacks, if you will, in scouting, not what Mike Elias is doing in Baltimore. Okay, What the rest of the clubs are doing across the game is they're going to find talented scouts, going to find guys with vision, find guys that are efficient with what they do, and they're not going to worry about what they pay them. They were going to put their investment into those guys and those 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 women that are going to scout these, uh, these 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 players at all levels, and they're going to invest in the pro scouting, and they're going to have leaner departments. I don't think it goes away. I know there's I know there's rumors of pushing from the commissioner's office to get rid of it. That I can tell you. That's a rumor. Can't confirm it, but I've heard that. There's a push to get rid of scouting. I can't ever see that happening. Um, I don't see the, the Dave Dombrowskis of the world or uh, the Artie Marinos of the world or uh, any, I mean, Tampa Bay, you look at Tampa Bay and how analytical they are, and they love scouting. They buy into scouting. You got to see the player. You got to understand the player. You got to feel the player. You got to get a sense of who he is. Let's marry that with development. I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better than what some of the organizations out there are really doing. So I don't think it's an all out war on scouts. I know guys feel that way. I know some people feel that way. Um, I feel it's just going to be productivity, it's going to be lean, it's going to be efficient. And with less opportunities to scout in professional baseball, what you're going to see happen is pro, pro
0: scouting, not amateur scouting is going to get hit the hardest. Hey, what's with you and all these catching videos? Every time I see you on Twitter, you're talking about some catching video of, I think it was a Giants player on one knee, and was it a breaking ball? It is bounced, you know, and it's then it, it bounces away. And there seems to be this this internet war between those who are into framing pitches on one knee and those who believe that you can still frame, but you also need to block the baseball. Have I summarized it okay? That's pretty good. You know, I
1: I think it's important to remember that baseball has been around a long time. I know that. 150 years, right? 150 years. So 150 is more than five. And it feels like that we are living in, a, in, a, in some kind of this, this weird vacuum where the game just started in 2015. Like we just never had baseball until 2015. Now all we got is is whatever is said today. And, and some of this social media, some of this organizational philosophy baffles me. You're talking about a game that had nothing but growth and nothing but advancement and nothing but diversity. And everything that was great with this society and even the globe, right? The globe was going through baseball. And now you've got now we're losing fans. People, people aren't watching as much. Now the games are taking eleven hours to play. How many World Series and this is the World Series? How many World Series games that we just covered in the last two years where we're looking at each other like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. You know, and that's the World Series. Like that's what you play all year for, right? I agree. Uh, I agree. You gotta put in rules where we have to have three batter minimums now for pitchers because we have so many balls and so many foul balls and so many swings and misses. The game has just changed entirely different. It's entirely different than what it was as far as how we're doing it. And part of that is catching. Now, as a catcher, you have a much bigger job than just framing a pitch. Okay? Umpires miss and get pitches right all the time, whether it's one way or the other. Balls are called strikes. Strikes are called balls. That's just part of having a human umpire. It happens. Okay. And there are ways as a catcher to have um, sound technique to get pitches is what that's called that are off the plate and make them strikes or down in the zone. And you don't have to go to one knee to do it. So some of the dumb, and I'm going to say dumb, sideways arguments I've seen for this one knee catching are, we're going to save the catcher's knees for longevity. Okay, fine. Whatever. Sure. Second one is we might. We might. We might, we might, not we're going to, not it's definitely going to happen, not write it down. We might get three pitches a game. That's one out. Okay. So for one out, we're going to sacrifice balls in the dirt. We're going to sacrifice our agility. We're going to sacrifice mobility. We're going to sacrifice throwing. We're going to sacrifice footwork. And all athleticism—we're going to take all that away. We're going to sacrifice the pitcher's confidence. I had a, a conversation while this this Twitter thing was going on, Jay, with a, a big league pitcher who pitched 12, 13 years in, in the big leagues, and he's telling me that sometimes—and this isn't—you know—it's common knowledge for me, but I think people, the public, forgets. Sometimes you throw a ball in the dirt because you want to. Sometimes you got to—you got to bury one, whether it's left or right, whether it's in front of the plate, because you know the guy is going to swing at it. Hitting-wise, that's called predetermined swing. You're taking that away. If a pitcher knows he can't throw a ball in the dirt to you, he's not going to do it. He's going to try to miss up in the zone. Okay, We have more balls, and and I I don't want to hear no stat. I don't want to see any of these these doctored stats about wild pitches and pass balls. There's more balls going to the backstop that should be blocked than ever before in this game. There's more balls going off the catcher's gloves. We call it boxing baseballs that are in flight, that are more missed, boxed, that ever before I can ever remember. I'm somebody who grew up in major league clubhouses. I'm somebody who was raised by all-stars and, 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 and Hall of Famers in, in some respects on how this thing gets done. I think those guys had a clue. I think they had an idea what this game was supposed to look like. So when I see a stat, and, and as a catching coordinator who posted it, it was, it was a catching coordinator, it was great that he did. He wanted to understand what the big deal was in Twitter, so you couldn't really read the sarcasm, right? But he said – In the minor leagues, it was seven to ten more wild pitches or balls to the backstop per night than usual. That means seven to ten more bases. That's all. I thought he was being serious. He was actually making my point. If you're telling me that seven to ten more balls are getting by you, that's seven to ten more bases you've given up. So you're gonna tell me three pitches that you might get that you don't need to do this for. You might get it's gonna sacrifice the running game, we're gonna sacrifice blocking baseballs, we're gonna give up 10 bases. On what planet does that make sense? I'm sorry, I guess I'm off base. I guess 10 bases isn't that much. Let's just go ahead That's it's three runs. It's three runs, three runs for three pitches. Three. Sounds fair to me, sounds reasonable. So we have these guys who, whatever reason, want to argue about the math on this, right? Because they're teaching it. They're teaching this one knee stuff. It doesn't work. It's unnecessary. And it's painful to watch. Now, if you're a guy like Maldonado, because he was part of this topic the other night, right? If you're a guy like Maldonado who's a gold glove winner, man, you can catch on your head. I don't care. I'm going to trust you to get it done, okay? But he drops his knee, you know, early in the count. He drops his knee when he understands who's on the mound. From Bervaldez, pretty good breaking ball. It's a 12-6 curveball. Knows what he's doing with it. They know what they're trying to do on that pitch. They know what it's going to be buried. If you ever watch Maldonado, though, I went back and looked. When he, when he knows they're trying to bury one, he's not doing that. He knows he's got to throw. He's not doing that, right? He's got to – he's doing when he knows he doesn't have to, when he understands a base runner, and when he knows what the point of the pitch is, these are all the things that people on the outside don't see. They don't see it. So this Twitter war we're doing, I think I think the word is the phrase is going to go die on a hill, right? So that's the hill we're all dying on right now. I'm dying on it. You know, some guys that we know are dying on it. Um, some of the commentary behind the scenes is is, is, is entertaining. Uh, but hey, man, you know it's 2020. We got COVID. We're going to battle right now. That's what it is. We'll call it the COVID catching battle.
0: (laughs) I would love to know what Tony Pena, because when I was growing up, Tony Pena would stick out his, basically his entire leg as almost like a stretching exercise. But I would love to see if he did that deep in the counts or just early in the counts. But then again, he was so good that, you know, he, I guess he could stand on his head as well. but
1: Everything he did, Jason, was fast and athletic and loose. You know, another guy, Benito Santiago, fast and athletic and loose. You know, but those guys, when they went to one knee, it wasn't in situations where they had to – it was about rest. It wasn't about getting lower, and it was only in certain counts. It wasn't every pitch. When they had to throw, you're never going to see that because they got to get to their feet. And the ironic thing about Benito Santiago is we all remember, he was the guy that made throwing from your knees popular in the modern era. He caught the ball, was straight to his knees, and did it. You can go, if you're in your normal position, traditional position, you can drop to your knees and throw. You can't do it the other way. So if, we're, if the whole point is to be faster on the ground, and you're going to tell me beyond the knees is faster, it's not. If you're going to tell me beyond the knees is faster, why would get out of a traditional stance to go to that is beyond me. But like I said, COVID, 2020, catching. It's been a weird year. We'll chalk it up to a weird situation. We'll, we'll move on.
0: How many gold gloves do you think Benito Santiago won?
1: I don't have the answer, so I'm going
0: to guess four. Three. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's a successful podcast when we drop Benito Santiago. into Tony Pena. And Tony Anthony Pena. Pena. Yeah. Man, he played for Santiago. I didn't realize. I mean, you think of him as a padre, right? Padres, Marlins, Reds, Phillies, Blue Jays, Cubs, Reds again, Giants, Royals, Pirates. Wow. I kind of remember him with the Giants, too. I remember
1: him with the Pirates and the Cubs, I think. I
0: don't remember the rest of the teams. I have no recollection with him with the Pirates. but Padres
1: and Marlins were the two that I remember the most.
0: Oh, Marlins, yeah. yeah. All righty. I think on that note, we should say adios. All right. No Bernie, but that's no okay. Fun. We had Benito, not Bernie, but Benito. All <laughs> right. Yeah. everybody thanks for watching and listening to the extra Bases podcast with bristol and booth till next time stay safe everybody